Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back in to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. The podcast where we tell you everything there is to know about Southwest Florida football. I, of course, am Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News. Here with my two co-hosts. Alex Miguel Martin of the Naples Daily News and Dustin Bartholomew Levy of the Fort Myers News Press. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Doing really good. Actually, I told you before the pod, I'm a little tired today. My energy is a little dragging. We're coming off that holiday weekend, and so, you know, we got, we got to get back up. So you guys are going to have to carry me today. Is that okay with you, Alex? No, it is not. Oh, shoot. Dang. So I got, I got to step it up. Um, really good week of football, I thought, in week two. Here we are entering week three, and we'll talk about week three coming up. But first, let's recap week two. As I uh, settled in to write my story on Friday night, I was going over the scores. A lot of surprising scores, a lot of surprising outcomes. Dustin, was, th- was there one that stood out the most to you? Yeah, chaos reigned this week, it seemed. What, one that stood out to me was Riverdale beating yes. North Fort Myers. Uh, that was very surprising, and it Basically started with the opening kickoff, uh, Jaheim Clark taking it to the house. He got two picks in the first quarter. That, that sounds like it really set the tone for that game. They ended up winning 13-9. Uh, to Yeah, and North Fort Myers falls to 0-2, correct? They forced five turnovers in that game. Who, North did? or North did. Wow. And uh, they, they still came up short. It seems like that offense still needs to find its identity which uh, I don't know if we expected uh, coming into the season. No, we all had very high hopes for North Fort Myers. Of course, they had some you know weird situations going on with uh, you know the COVID shutdown and other things. But Alex, what about you? What stood well, out in week two? Just to pick up on that point, we talked, I think, last week about the debate between Lehigh's defensive line and North's offensive line just being, is Lehigh's D-line that good or is North's O-line that bad? They got to Tanner Helton again, and I, he threw two interceptions. So I think that's kind of a little bit of an indicator of that uh, that question we talked about last week. But overall, another game that kind of took me by surprise was the game I was at. Um, South Fort Myers embraced the underdog mentality. They really just set the tone early on. And, you know, they did squander a two-possession lead in the fourth quarter, but then they came back. And, you know, sure enough, you know, Willis May's team is really gritty, and they, they fought through for 48 minutes. And South went into Sam Sirianni Stadium on the uh, campus of Fort Myers High School, and they won. And I saw, in, uh, I believe it was your story, that was their first home loss in, what, three years, something like that? Yeah, it was uh, 2018, the regular season loss to Charlotte. You know, it, it had been a while. And overall, you know, the past two, three years on the podcast, you never bet against Sam Sirianni at home. You just you just don't do it. But this year might be a little bit different. Um, another little backstory in that game was Carson Esposito setting the single-game passing record and for, with 319 yards. You know, who would have thought in 102 years of Fort Myers football that 319 yards would be a record? But uh, props to him. And, you know, he, he nearly led him on a game-winning drive. And, you know, he showed a lot of grit and poise in that final drive before that last interception. Well, I think the game of the night, um, and I'm a little biased being the Collier County guy, but Baron Collier at Palmetto Ridge, a wild, wild finish. We were kind of texting in the group chat uh, during the game. Palmetto Ridge was up 21 to nothing in the second quarter, and I just kind of checked out. I stopped paying attention to it, even though it was the uh, marquee game of the night because the game I was at was very close. But then Baron storms back. They scored, I believe, 21 fourth quarter points or 21 straight points. And then the game was decided on a penalty. Jaden Booker, who already had over 250 yards on the night, breaks off. This is Palmetto Ridge running back, 
breaks off an 88-yard touchdown to win the game. But it comes back because of a, what was it, a uh, sideline infraction, Sideline infraction. And just watching that game, he had 282 yards, I think. And so if he rattles off that 88-yard touchdown run, he's looking at a career game. He's looking at one of the best games ever in in Collier County, a 360-yard game. I mean, that's wild. But it comes back. Uh, Our our reporter, Greg Hardwig, was there. And even then, he said it was kind of chaos. They really didn't know what happened. Palmetto Ridge and Baron Collier had both been uh, warned all night about the sideline infraction. Stay in the box. Don't come out past the blue line. Of course, Jane Booker takes off for that 88-yard jaunt, and the refs th- throw the flag, and Baron Collier ends up winning 38-34. to The Cougars improve to 1-1. One and one. Palmetto Ridge drops to 1-1. One and one. So it's, it's a very they're very closely matched, and I think that's going to be the case in Collier County a lot this year. Another one uh, that kind of took us by surprise, based on our picks, was Cypress Lake against Baker, 21-16. to We all took Baker, and I believe Baker was winning that game, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, I believe. Um, our reporter, Zuby Charles, who just joined us uh, about a month ago. was that Shout out game? to Azubi. Doing great work. Good job, Azubi. And, um, you know, I think we all went into that game. We we all pretty much said, you know, look, Ida Baker scored 40. You know, I don't see how they can – how they can't replicate that again against Cypress Lake, a team that lost their three best players, two of them do to transfer. So we kind of just all rode off Cypress Lake a little bit, but maybe Ida Baker's 40-0 win against Mariner was just a fluke. And that one was a little bit controversial. Um, I believe Zach Malpica, he fumbled into the end zone late in the game, and it was controversial. Uh, Zach says it wasn't a fumble. The referees disagreed, says it was. That was the deciding game. Cypress Lake... Three of their touchdowns came on special teams and defense. They were down 10 nothing, and then Jarvis Smith returns a kickoff to, to get the scoring started for Cypress Lake. And then O'Marion Walker, 53-yard interception return. So Cypress Lake gets in the win column first time this season. Uh, Dustin, what other game kind of surprised you and, and took you by back? Uh, I was a little surprised at the, the game I was at. Uh, uh, Sarasota Riverview at Lehigh. Um, I was surprised that Lehigh... Uh, was it was held to two points and that came on defense on a safety. Um, I I was surprised that the Rams were able to uh, keep Richard Young out of the end zone. He still put up 170 yards. Wow! Um, but he put the ball on the ground twice. Um, but still, the Lehigh defense um, they they stood out to me. They they really gave their offense multiple chances in that game, especially in the second half. Uh, the the 14 points that Riverview scored. Um, we're just on two big plays. Otherwise, they they were completely contained. Uh, Tyree Cunningham, Gerald Blue, he was everywhere. Um, but uh, Lehigh could not get done too many miscues. And the one thing that I got to give a lot of credit to James Cheney and company, a lot of those guys are going both ways. And we saw it in the North Fort Myers game. A lot of those kids were, were gassed. And, you know, they, they hold an 8A program to 14 points. And uh, – a group that has 130 players in the organization. You know, I think that's a, if you want to call it a moral victory in and of itself, I think, you know, there's a lot of positive takeaways that, you know, Lehigh can take away from that game. Yeah, and this was a Class A day team, and the Lightning were really close to scoring. There was one play, Dorian Mallory got to the one-yard line on fourth down. There's another play, he threw a perfect deep ball, but uh, the Rams defender made a really good play and pushed the lightning receiver out of the end zone. Um, so they were close, closer than the score indicated, but uh, I, I think they have some good things to take away from this game. 
One thing I do want to touch on, I'm going to throw the little curveball to you guys. This wasn't on the schedule, but something, Alex, you mentioned about a lot of those Lehigh kids going both ways. Lehigh is a 7A school, one of the largest in southwest Florida, yet they don't it sounds like, I mean, they don't have enough guys to fill out a full, you know, 22. I'm sure they do, but, you know, you want to put your best players on both on both sides of the ball. You want your dudes out there, as coaches say. However, you know, I think we're seeing this more and more, that numbers are just down. Like, coaches don't have enough players. I was at Golden Gate Astero, and I had a, a guy training with us, Nick, and he kind of said, these are small teams. What level are they? I said, well, these are 5A, 6A teams, and yet they only have, you know, 35 kids. Is that something you guys have seen at your games? Is it something coaches have mentioned to you, just participation being low? Just kind of taking away for the three weeks that we've been covering football. And, you know, for a metro area that's growing, that's grown 100,000 people over the past 10 years, I think that's very – you know, it's an interesting question mark. Obviously, Bishop Rowe is one of the schools that's kind of an exception to that. They have 80, 80 or so kids in the program for a 3A school. But you see a lot of these, you know, schools that are kind of, you know, down, Mariner, 29, 30 guys, you know, just to use them as an, as an example. But there's some teams that are kind of thin in numbers. And is that because there's too many schools in the area? Possibly. Uh- Deion Sanders said when we talked to him two years ago, why has Southwest Florida not won a state title? And he said, that, quote, unquote, there's too many damn schools. <laughs> well, so. you look, I've, I've talked about this before. The the two titles, three maybe, that have been won. Naples, 01, when you know none of these other schools existed. Go- Gulf Coast had just opened up. There's no Palmetto Ridge. There's n- no Golden Gate. Uh, Naples was drawing a lot of players in the Golden Gate area. And then 07, those schools were newer. So they weren't as much. Um, and, yeah, just, I mean, we see Gateway now. Benita Springs is another new school. So it, it's kind of drawn it thin. And so you're not seeing as many players. Speaking of Naples, this summer I read Coach Bill Kramer's book. Bill Kramer, the uh, coach at Naples High School for 22 years who led them to those two state titles, he talks about the importance of his two-platoon system. They do not play guys both ways if they can help it. If you have an extraordinary athlete, just a a a once-in-a-generation guy like Devin Moore or Tyler Bird, they will play them both ways, but they don't like it because they want to be fresh. And you see that at Naples when they grind you down in the fourth quarter. So something to keep an eye on as we continue this high school football season. Another thing before we uh, get out of here and get to the next segment, I want to give props to CSN came out and beat Gateway Charter 38 to nothing. That CSN defense has scored four touchdowns in the first two weeks. They've beaten Gateway Charter and Bonita Springs, who are not the class of Southwest Florida, but they are larger schools, larger than, than CSN. And we thought CSN may be down this year, but Paul Savidio's, Savidio has them uh, looking very good down there. ECS 29 to 20 over Gateway High and Gateway High a team that I think we probably would have guessed would have been 2 and 0. Yeah, possibly, but um Gateway High was without their entire offensive line in this game, you can probably assume why. Yeah. Um they were without their quarterback to my knowledge, Josiah Khan. Um but you know, it's just that is, that was a team that could have been 2 and 0. Um we we thought they would just based on their first two opponents. We underestimated Gateway Charter. Um, ECS kind of picks up, picks up a win early on in the season. Um, but overall, you know, I can't say I'm surprised with the result though, because Miles Graham and, you know, Jack Shuker, um, you know, they can get things done for ECS. Dustin, bouncing back to you, what, what else stood out as you were looking at those scores in week two, as, as you were kind of seeing what everyone did, any individual performances or, or team performances that stood out? Well, I I wanted to shoot this back to you uh tyler coleman how did he look on friday night 
He looks real good. I mean, it was Golden Gate running back. He was playing Estero. And what stands out, and again, like I, I said about some other teams earlier, Estero, they're 0-2. They're not one of the better teams in Southwest Florida. But Coleman runs hard. He just, when they give him the ball, he churns those legs. And early in the game, you know, he did not get as many yards as he did late in the game. He just kind of grinds you down, almost like we talk about Jaden Booker at Palmetto Ridge. Jaden Booker's a thick, big dude, and people just get tired of tackling him. And Astero has a smaller squad, as we talked about some teams in the area do. They kind of wore down in the second half. Tyler Coleman had 70 yards in the fourth quarter. He picked up a fourth and 18 on the ground with 20 seconds left to seal the deal. So Tyler Coleman there at Golden Gate, his first year there, he's got 400 yards in two games. Bigger picture there, a lot of the running backs in the area are doing really well. I think we might see a little bit of a, you know, a battle between Jaden Booker and Richard Young just quietly, you know, just trying to take the rushing lead in Southwest Florida. Booker has a slight edge at this point. I think it's 10 or 15 yards. Um, But so far, I mean, 480 yards through two games, we're looking at potentially two 2,000-yard rushers if they can somehow keep this clip up. Yeah, that, that's bananas. And then you look at uh, you know, other guys we mentioned, Tyler Coleman, Kindergraffiel had another 130-yard night at Naples High School. So a lot of running backs putting up big yards. And even over at Dunbar, they beat Faroe 42-8. to They have a tandem there, Barry White, uh, 114 yards on 15 carries. Uh, McCutcheon, 91 yards on 10 carries. A lot of good running backs putting up numbers in the area. Dunbar's just stacked, man. We're going to see that all year. So, well, that's it for week two. We're going to look ahead to week three and also do some picks when we come back on the other side of this break. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on! Welcome back in, everybody, to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, and we are ready to break down week three as you get ready for these big slate of Friday games and one Thursday game. We'll talk about that. But first, I kind of want to take a bigger picture. We're only two weeks into the season. We're one-fifth of the way there, but it is worth pointing out the other 2-0 teams because there aren't that many. I kind of thought coming into this year that uh, the teams were more kind of grouped. There weren't that many, uh, you know, standout, powerful teams, especially in Collier County where I'm based. You know, I think everyone's kind of grouped together talent-wise and uh, skill-wise. But so of our 33 teams that we cover at the News Press and Naples Daily News, five are 2-0, South Fort Myers, Golden Gate, Community School, Naples, and First Baptist. Dunbar and SFCA are undefeated, but they're 1-0. They have lost games this season so far. So interesting that four of the five 2-0 teams are from Collier County. That means four of the 11 teams in Collier County are 2-0. Doing quick math, that's 36%. You like that, don't you, Dustin? You're impressed with my math skills, aren't you? Very nice, very nice. So of those 2-0 teams, who do you think the best is? Who do you think is going to keep this up? Who do you think maybe is a fluke? Let me know. I'm going to give a shout-out to the Lee County team, South Fort Myers. Nathan Castor, he is just a difference maker. 157 yards on 13 rushes, two touchdowns on the ground, and then a game-sealing pick six. He brings it back 100 yards to win the game for the Wolfpacks. That's the team I'm keeping my eye on. Another kid that did it uh, going both ways, like we talked about earlier, and it is worth mentioning, South Fort Myers was 5-5 five and five last year. Mm. So they're already uh, you know approaching that win total. One team that has beaten their win total from last year, Golden Gate, They've been impressive. Now, again, they have not played the best competition, playing Cape Coral and Estero. They really grinded out these wins. Coach Nick Bajica, 
you know, he talked before the uh, season about changing the culture there at Golden Gate. And I asked him after the game on Friday because they were up 14-7. to The next play, Astero unleashes an 85-yard bomb. Astero offense hadn't done much of anything, but Matt Wilson hits Jason Duclona on an 85-yard touchdown. And a lot of teams, that would suck the life out of them, especially teams like Golden Gate who are not yet used to winning. But he said, you know, my guys have been grinding. We've really uh, practiced. It was funny. Bajika said, our motto is, who cares? Nobody cares. You know, yeah, they scored a touchdown. Nobody cares. Work harder. You know, you, you lose this guy. Nobody cares. Work harder. So they're not making any excuses. They move to 2-0. and And then the other 2-0 and teams, you know, we mentioned Naples, First Baptist. Alex, First Baptist had a big win last week. Yeah, they did. They went up to Andover, Massachusetts, and, you know, picked up a nice 29-7 to win up there. And then they enjoyed their weekend. They got to see Joey Sparacio and Blaine Briggs, two former FBA alums, square off and you know, Boston College and Colgate, and, you know, that was a nice little moment for them. But getting back to your Golden Gate point, I don't want to say two wins might be the ceiling for them, but looking at the schedule down the stretch, I only see one more winnable game for them. Ooh, they got, Alex, putting the Titans on blast. They got Gulf Coast, they got Naples, Eastley, Barron, Laley, South, and Palmetto Ridge to close out the year. If they can pick up a couple, I think that's big for them, but it's going to be challenging. If you get Barron in a high-scoring affair, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, we um, saw that last week with uh, Dylan McNamara going nuts in the fourth quarter. Same th- same thing last year, too, in that playoff game with Fort Myers, who was a right. 54-53 game. Um, Laley's just gritty defensively. Gershom Greer. That'll be a really fun inter- um, matchup between Greer and Tyler Coleman down there. But South Fort Myers, strong. Palmetto Ridge, strong. Naples, obviously strong. Um, and then Gulf Coast, another team that can that can definitely put points up on the board. So it's going to be a big test for Golden Gate, you know, um, in the weeks to come for them for sure. Yeah, Golf – I'm sorry, Golden Gate is at Gulf Coast this week, which I think is an intriguing matchup. Let's mention Naples. Uh, we haven't mentioned them yet. 2-0, they went to Fort Pierce Westwood, a three-hour bus ride, you know, against a bigger school on natural grass, which – Coach Martin even told me afterwards, he said, it sounds dumb, but we don't play on grass a lot down here. So he wanted his team to experience something different, something playoff-like with the long road trip. And look, I do want to give myself, uh, make some apologies. Last week, I picked Naples to lose to Westwood, um, and that turned out being really stupid because I did not do the research before. I did not realize Westwood lost a lot of players. They lost the game before because of COVID, and they had a new coach. So everything was working against Westwood, and I'm dumb. I picked them to lose. So that's our 2-0 teams. Let me mention also, we have a battle of undefeated teams this week with CSN at SFCA. Yes, Alex, did, did you? Yeah, I was just curious. I wanted to ask you a question. It, sure. did, did Rick Martin ever talk about – did he mention the 9-0 halftime? Did he mention the first half at all when you were on the phone with him? Yeah, he said, you know, it, it took a little while for that offense to get going. They get off a three-hour bus ride. You're on a wet grass field, and Naples is a fast team that plays better on turf. And so they scored one touchdown, I believe, in the first quarter. And he really gave credit to his defense for really keeping them in there because, you know – any kind of positive play for Westwood could have taken momentum. If they would have scored, made it 9-7, that, that's a close game. Who knows? But until the offense found its legs, the defense really stepped up. Awesome. So let's take a look, too, at our 0-2 teams. These are teams that have not won yet. We have a handful of winless teams. First, let me point out, I, I did the math. We, we cover 33 teams, as I said here, 17 of them are 1-1. One one. So the majority of these teams are kind of in that gray area, 1-1. One one. But I, I think as you look at the 0-2 teams, you got North Fort Myers, Bonita Springs, Gateway High, Mariner, Astero, 
a Mockley. Dustin, I think it's got it's got to be North, right? We think North is probably better than that zero and two start. Absolutely, and I th- I think you just have to look at the defense. In the Lehigh game, they held the Lightning scoreless in the second half. Riverdale was only able to put up thirteen on them. It's basically the offense where we're having questions right now. They're able to force a lot of turnovers, give the ball back to their offense. Whether the offensive line is able to protect Tanner Helton, who actually left the Riverdale game with an injury and Scotty Olian took over so I think that's our best winless team right now and they have Mariner coming that should be an opportunity to get a W for them yeah and the one thing I really want to watch for number one is Tanner Helen going to play um, that's obviously huge and number two if he does play I want to see if North Fort Myers goes to the quick passes because it seems like if you know if he's in the pocket for two or three even four seconds you know he's gonna have to rush a throw or he might have to scramble and whatnot. I want to see if North switches their game plan up to get quick throws out on the edge and let their playmakers do their thing. Yeah, and they have the skill position players like Bo Somerset. Exactly. And, I mean, they got him. They got they got uh, Santino Arroyo out on the edge. They got a lot of guys, and it's just, it just seems like they, gotta, they just still have to figure out how they're going to use them. I would like to point out, you know, we're discussing it's very early in the season. Who cares if you're 2-0? Who cares if you're 0-2? But, as we said, the FHSAA is reverting back to its power ranking system for at-large playoff berths. So if you don't win your district title, all these games matter. If you win all your district games, whatever. You win the district championship, you're in the playoffs. If not, it goes down to the RPI, the uh, ratings percentage index, and that's going to look at what wins you got. And when you start 0-2, you're kind of putting yourself in a hole. North Fort Myers does host Mariner this week, so that's a, one of those teams is going to get their first victory. And then uh, Gateway High, a team we mentioned, they are hosting St. John Newman. I think that's another team that has a chance to get a win. St. John Newman is 1-1, one one, but they are a smaller private school, and I would think that the Gateway High would have the edge there. So we're going to break down more games in Week 3, and we're going to make predictions, our favorite part of the show. Keep on listening when we come back from this break. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Welcome back in, everybody, to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. This is Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News, here with Alex Martin of the Naples Daily News, and Dustin Levy of the Fort Myers News Press. It is time for our pick segment, where we pick the top 10 games of the week and tell you who we think are going to win. But first, let's look back on last week, and let's look at our new friend, Dustin Levy, new to the area, but schooling the rookies. Alex Martin, born and raised in Southwest Florida. Adam Fisher, been here for a decade and a half, and yet Dustin is making us look like fools. Last week, we all did terrible, some more terrible than others. Dustin went 5-5 five and five in his picks. Again, not good, not great. Hey. Alex and Adam went 4-6 and six on the year. Dustin is 12-7, and seven, a two-game lead over Mr. Alex Martin, who is 10-9, and nine, and Adam Fisher bringing up the rear at 9-10. and 10. And I want to tell you guys, I've been doing this podcast for four years. This is the first time in the history of Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast that anyone has had a losing record in the season picks. We're only two weeks <laughs> in, but I'm 9-10, and 10, and that is a joke and an embarrassment. That is shameful, Adam. 
I should probably be fired. I better watch out. Uh, Dustin's going to take my job. He's just going to be gobbling <laughs> up all these jobs. Alex, you feeling good about this week? Much better. I think I think now now that there's two weeks under you know both of us, I think we can all kind of get a feel for where teams are. But yet again, it just seems like just with COVID factoring in, you don't know which people are out. Prime example being Gateway's entire offensive line. If I would have known that they were out, I probably would have picked ECS last week if we did end up picking that game. But it's just one of those years where you kind of have to you have to take some gambles and you know hope for the best. Absolutely. Well, let's get it started. We're going to start with the Thursday night game. So if you are hearing this on Friday, I apologize. The game is already over, but hey, that's the way it is. We are recording on a Tuesday morning, so if any big news broke on Wednesday or Thursday, we don't know about it. So Thursday night, we got South Fort Myers at Ida Baker, the undefeated Wolfpack. Is two and zero at Ida Baker, who is one and one. Is that is that accurate, Dustin? Yes, it is. Awesome. So, how do you feel about this game? So, uh, there's a lot I like about the Bulldogs. Jordan Rizzo and Sebastian Grafmeyer are proving to be an excellent wide receiver tandem. Obviously, uh, they're known for their defense. The one thing that you know has me a little hesitant that that's been consistent in the preseason game and their loss last week is the penalties. That's something that makes me a little uh, nervous with them. So, I'm, I'm gonna pick uh, the Wolfpack on 3-0. Ida Baker could easily be 2-0, but again, they lost last week on a late fumble. They gave up two special teams and defensive touchdowns and only lost by five points. So I think Baker uh, could be one of these 2-0 teams we spoke about earlier. That being said, I will take the team that actually is 2-0 in the South Fort Myers Wolfpack. How about you, Alex? Got to go with the Wolfpack here. I think there's a lot. There's still more question marks with Ida Baker. Um, Even after that Cypress Lake game, I think, you know, we all would have projected them to win big time overall though i think south they are vulnerable on defense i will say that after what i saw last week but i think you know facing a little bit of an easier competition this week i think south can get it done on the road and go to three and so we're all taking the wolf pack next up we got saint john newman at gateway high school gateway high school is at home again looking to get their first victory in front of for the season and for that home crowd uh, newman last week first first week newman beat uh riverdale i'm sorry labelle pretty convincingly Last week, St. John Newman went on the road and lost to Bradenton Christian 21-13. A pretty good showing for, you know, Bradenton Christian is a big program in a big city. It's another private school, but larger than Newman. And uh, Newman did pretty well. Dawson Jones, the quarterback and defensive back, had two interceptions. So they're playing pretty well. Gateway, again, there were some questions. Some people were out. Alex, I mean, I know we don't know who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. But what are you thinking about this game? The typical St. John Newman team, it's very well coached. They're very you know they're disciplined damon jones does a great job there overall you know just looking at their schedule the two games even though they want they're one and one and both of them kind of concerns me um the offense doesn't seem to be there um labelle only hanging 27 points against them he sleep it up 42 in the preseason um putting up 13 against bradenton christian i'm very i'm almost inclined to go gateway here um and i think i'm going to just based on you know their their ability to actually put up points and whatnot especially in the first two weeks of play and Dustin? I'm going to go the other way on this Ooh. one uh, with St. John Newman. I just think having that, that week one win, you know, uh, and Gateway being a new program, not having all that experience, it should definitely be close, but I, I like Newman on this one. Now, I was leaning towards Gateway because they are the uh, the larger school, the public school. But now that Dustin picked Newman, I, you know, he's Nostradamus over here. Dustin's the smartest one of the bunch. So I'm, I'm second-thoughting that, but I will also take Gateway. In a battle of undefeateds, 2-0 Community School of Naples at 
1-0, Southwest Florida Christian Academy, also known as SFCA. Those are both two very hard phrases to say. Who you got, Alex? Well, this one should be a pretty decent little game, very underrated game. Uh, you know CSN's going to be keying in on Shaden Kador. He's got all five receiving touchdowns for SFCA. In the preseason and in the week one game, their game last week was canceled due to COVID on the opponent's side in Canterbury. But overall, just CSN with four defensive touchdowns. Yeah. It, it, it's just so hard. Can they keep this up? But I think CSN can get it, get it done here. They're going to have to defend the air raid. Um, I, I think CSN can get it done on the road. I'm going to go with CSN as well. Rolls off the tongue a little bit easier than SFCA. <laughs> true. They have been winning since last year, and I, I like them to keep winning. A few years ago, I um, I leaned way too hard on First Baptist. I talked about First Baptist all the time on this podcast, and people let me know. But my new favorite private school in Cario County is CSN. CSN has very, impressed me very much. 2-0 and this year. The Seahawks are going to get it done and move to 3-0. and Bonita Springs at Cape Coral. Cape Coral got a win last week in overtime at East Lee. Well, I believe Bonita Springs, I don't remember who they played, but they lost. Yeah, they went up to Cypress Creek in Wesley Chapel. And it oh, a, yeah. It was a 35-15 game there. Um, but, yeah, Bonita Springs still winless, but could they get it done this week? What say you, Dustin? I like Cape Coral to win this one. Uh, sorry to Bonita. I like that the fact that they edged out a win in overtime. Uh, Jack Janeway was an essential part of that win. Yeah, so I, I like the Seahawks to, to go 2-1. and one. And I will go with Bonita Springs. They haven't shown us much so far this year. Only scored 23 points in two games. But I really like uh, Coach Rich Dombrowski. I think he's one of the better coaches in the area. So I'm taking Bonita Springs to get their first victory. Interesting split. So you're making me the decider. That's huh? right. Ah. Just Barry Bowman, man. Defense, 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 defense. Um, this will be a fun little matchup because you know Rich Dombrowski loves this, loves to work with the offense. Um, but 22 points through two games is kind of concerning to me. Um, I think based on that, I think Cape Coral's got a lot of defensive opportunities on the edge. You know they're going to be riding off last week's overtime win. Yeah, that's um, a big, big emotional victory. Of course. So I think I'm going to go with Cape Coral. Next, let's go to Riverdale at Dunbar. Riverdale with the big upset victory over North Fort Myers last week. Dunbar, we saw them for the first time after they lost their week one game due to a COVID shutdown. Dunbar took care of business, beating Bishop Vareau handily in the second half with, I think it was 42-8 to was the final. Dustin, can Riverdale do it again? Do they pull up another upset? Riverdale coming off that huge win. I do not think they're going to be able to pull this off just because there's still questions about that offense and going against that Tiger defense. I mean, Dimitri Morgan had, I think, at least five sacks last week against mm. Bishop Verreau. That That's a tough task. Alex? Yeah. yeah, I'm fully on board with Dustin here. Dunbar, Dunbar's number two in the area for a reason. They could be number one if they would have played in the first week. They're just loaded, and I could see Dunbar going 2-0 and quite easily. Agree. Dunbar, just, just too talented. They're, they're very good, and uh, there's not going to be many games they're going to lose this year, I think. They've they got to be favored in pretty much all of them. So... Fort Myers looking to rebound after a home loss. They're going to Cypress Lake, a team that won last week with a defensive and special team score against Baker, as we've talked about. Cypress Lake is at home. Fort Myers has got to be fired up after a a close loss. I think they gave up a pick six in the final minute as they were going for the go-ahead score against South Fort Myers. I'll go first on this one. I think Fort Myers is just going to be too fired up for this. Cypress Lake just doesn't have the talent to match up, and that's no disrespect to Cypress Lake. I think they're a decent team, but I think Fort Myers is better. Dustin. 
I agree with you. I think Fort Myers is just going to be out for blood this week. Clearly not going to be happy about that loss to South Fort Myers last week at home. And Coach Sirianni is going to be uh, getting things fixed for them. I will say, though, but this could be a trap game for Fort Myers. Cypress Lake showed a lot of grit and a lot of fight. But do I think Fort Myers is going to win? Of course I do. But I think there's a slight chance here that, you know, this game could be could be competitive, you know, in the third quarter before Fort Myers eventually pulls away. In a battle of 0-2 teams, one team looking to get its first victory of the year. Mariner is at North Fort Myers. Now, we've talked about North Fort Myers plenty, but Dustin, what do we need to know about Mariner, and can they pull off an upset? Well, that's going to be something uh, I'll be looking to find out this week. I'll be at that game. Mariner's only game so far is 40 to nothing blowout against Ida Baker. So A loss, right? Yes. So that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to, to put together things on offense against North. Um, which, you know, even though we have questions about the Red Knights' offense, their defense has been stout. So I I like North in this one. How about you, Alex? doesn't matter who's a quarterback, if it's Tanner Heldon, if it's Scotty Olean, Big Red. Yeah, I agree. Uh, North Fort Myers is going to win this one. That's all I have to say. Let's go down to Collier County. we got two big CCAC, that's the Collier County Athletic Conference, matchups. Let's start with this one, 2-0 Golden Gate at 1-0-1 Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast was off last week after their week one loss at Naples. Golden Gate, they impressed me, like I said, at Estero. And and in the first week, their big victory against um, Cape Coral, I believe. However, Gulf Coast, uh, their offense kind of impressed me a lot in week one against Naples. Now, this was against Naples, who has a very good defense. And they put up, you know, almost 200 yards and a touchdown. That doesn't sound like much, but that's more than most teams are going to do against Naples. So I'm going to take Golf Coast. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I think just Connor Barrett being able to throw for 150 against that defense, that might be a high for, you know, some of the area teams this season yeah. when it comes to facing Naples. I just think that Gulf Coast, you know, spreading it out, you know, taking on Golden Gate, who showed vulnerability against Estero with Jason DeClaw's 85-yard touchdown. Nothing to take away from him, obviously. He's a Power 5 prospect. I think Gulf Coast can actually get in the win column this week and deny Golden Gate of a 3-0 start. I'm going to zig where you're zagging. Yes. Go with Golden Gate. I I like the way they're, they're running their offense right now, and I like them to keep it going against uh, Gulf Coast. You hear that, Golden Gate fans? You got an ally in Dustin Levy. All right, guys, we're going to stay. No, we're not going to stay in Collier County. We have a uh, Collier-Lee showdown, an intrastate or inter-county matchup. Baron Collier at Island Coast. We did not see Island Coast last week. They had to cancel their game because of a uh, you know COVID situation. And we have been told that the game is still on for this week. But, again, it's Tuesday morning. That could change by the time you are listening to this. Alex, what, what about Island Coast? They, they lost, what, to Charlotte week one, right? Yeah, they. I think it was 35-7 to off the top of my head, but – Overall, you know, just we've seen two um, we've seen two situations where teams are coming off a of COVID pause in the regular season. Uh, number one being Dunbar, who handled Vero very easily, and then we saw um, I believe it was Riverdale, you know, getting pretty much having a tough time against Fort Myers. But with that being said, I think Baron Collier is going to get this one done. I just still have too many question marks about Island Coast coming off the COVID pause, um, especially with guys going both ways here you know with COVID pause you can't condition you can't yep. work out as a team and one thing that we've heard from a lot of coaches this year with the wet ball and whatnot you know teams are only practicing for an hour you know a day um, so I think I got to go with Baron here just based on having two games under their belt 
Dustin, tell me, tell me why you think Island Coast is going to win. Uh, I'm sorry, can't do that. <laughs> uh, Island Coast has too many questions coming off the shutdown. Even though I like a lot of their players, but Barron is coming off a huge, huge win against Palmetto Ridge. Uh, that go-ahead 50-yard touchdown from Dylan McNamara to Dylan Rod. I encourage you to check out the highlight reel and, and look at that play. Uh, something kind of funny happens at the end there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I like Baron Collier in this one. Great plug by my man Dustin. You know, Baron Collier's quarterback, Dylan McNamara, we thought it was between him and Davion Palmer as the best returning quarterback this year. And he still has not played his best. He threw three touchdowns in the second half la- uh, last week to win at Palmetto Ridge. But he still, you know, Greg Hardwick said he wasn't exactly sharp. And the first week against Sarasota, he only they only scored 16 points. So he can be even better than he has been. I think it's going to start right here. I, too, am taking Baron Collier. And in our game of the week, the game I'm going to be at, it's going to be Palmetto Ridge at Laley. Laley was off last week, a scheduled bye week, while Palmetto Ridge, we've already said, they they kind of uh, had a very tough letdown, a game they could have won against Baron Collier. Alex, do you think Laley can uh, slow down Jaden Booker? I think they can slow down Jaden Booker, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think Jaden Booker's still looking, looking at a 150-yard game here. Um, but overall, the Laley defense is gritty. you got to give them credit, and Brian Bachman's not a bad not a bad quarterback either. After, um, had 140 yards passing against Vero, 10-17. Had a clutch overtime touchdown pass on 4th and 15. Uh, but I, this game might be closer than a lot of people think. You know, Laley prides themselves on defense. And, you know, last year only holding Naples to 16 points in the Coconut Bowl. You know, there could be a potential upset. But for now, I'm going to take the Bears just because they can score. And Laley coach J.J. Everidge likes his defense. He says they're a fast, athletic group. They got to Colby Georges there on defensive line, Jaden Muse on the defensive line, and, and they are, are very strong up front. That being said, I do think that Palmetto Ridge is they're just going to be angry. I mean, coming off this loss, and they're going to come out, and I think they're going to score early, and they're going to they're gonna win. So I will take Palmetto Ridge. Dustin, how about you? I agree. I think the Bears are going to be esteemed uh, based on how they lost the game to Barry and Collier. They just have so much offensive firepower between Jaden Booker, Caleb Cousins, uh, catching a couple touchdowns in that game. I like the Bears in this one. All right, that'll do it for our Week 3 picks. Of course, there are 17 games on the slate for Week 3, and we will have them all covered at NaplesNews.com sports and News-Press.com sports. Dustin, what else are you working on this week? Uh, working on uh, some non-high school sports stories, uh, which uh, – uh, keep uh, tuned in. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dustin B. Levy. And also a uh, couple good volleyball games. I'm sure Alex could uh, tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, by the time the, this podcast is live on Friday, for those who listen on Fox Sports and Tiger FM, we'll be at two volleyball games on Wednesday. Um, should be a good one between number one CSN and number two Canterbury, and then number four Baron Collier and number six Fort Myers. Yeah, guys, we got so much content, you can't even handle it. I mean, go to our websites, and it'll blow your mind. So please subscribe. And, hey, do us a favor. Uh, drop us a note. Send us an email. Give us a comment on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know how we're doing, even if it's just a complaint about how stupid we are and how Dustin's so much smarter than Adam. I want to hear it. I want to know some feedback because we appreciate you guys listening, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games.